The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to use on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. If you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. I believe he had a Minnesota representative on uh, with him. So if you want to check that out and you didn't get the chance to see it, you can do so up until three o'clock Eastern today, at which time he'll be live in that little area. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you've got, and then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right hand corner. Click on that and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We got a lot of friends over there this morning. Good morning, you guys. And um, <clears throat> yeah, you can check us out over there. We're also streaming live to Rumble. At Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That's the channel on Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Be sure to subscribe over there. And also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And we appreciate those guys uh, giving us a spot on their platform as well. They have a lot of people that come over there. Sometimes you'll go over there and there's like 12,000 people on there at any given time. It's it's crazy. Even with all the censorship, uh, it's, it's really crazy uh, how, mu- how much traffic they get. In any case, right up under... Where we're streaming live on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can sign up for our email newsletter uh, that goes out once a day. That includes all the articles from SonsOfLibertyMedia.com for that day, including the morning show archive. So all the things we're going to talk about today will be in that archive, okay? Uh, So be sure to sign up for that. And then finally, if you agree with our message, you'd like to help keep us out there, there's a donate button at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty, and we appreciate your support very much. All right, real quickly, before we get into things today, uh, our friend Eric Hughes-Jones is joining us on the phone here, and uh, he's got something that's a call to action, and so I'm going to let him tell you what that is real quickly. He said, can I get five minutes so we can get some support? And we look, we've let Eric come on before. He helps a lot of people up there in New York uh, with legal cases and things like this. He's not an 
He's not some kind of attorney or lawyer or something. He does it because he loves people and uh, and he hates to see injustices. So uh, I think the last time we were on, there was a very affluent woman uh, that they had, her husband had her committed. There was all this stuff. And you, the listeners, uh, along with others, got into that Zoom meet. And I think probably scared some people there a little bit. Maybe put the fear of God. Who knows? Uh, but they ended up releasing the lady. And so the people had an effect on that outcome. So uh, Eric is on this morning. And Eric, we've got somebody else that we're dealing with now. And you want to tell people a little bit about what's going on and what kind of action is needing like immediately this morning, 9.30 a.m. Yes, I think uh, you had me on last time to actually discuss another hearing that took place with already with uh, this woman. Felicia Mullane is her name. Yes. M-U-L-L-A-N-E. So, yeah. To, to just to bring people up to date, we had two appearances. We had one where we got Elizabeth Weinstein out of a psychiatric lockup because her husband, who was showing uh, evidence of being a pedophile, uh, she brought that forward. He used his power with his high-powered law firm in New York, uh, who's, by the way, his law partner was married to the chief judge of the New York State Supreme Court, um, go figure, and to get her locked up, and because we had so many people out, they wanted to keep her for six months and forcibly medicate her simply for coming forward and exposing uh, her husband and his his activities. And the amount of people we had there was over 125, and they ended up denying the petition to keep her for six months locked up, denying the petition to force medicate her, and within 72 hours, she was a free woman. Felicia's case, I think we, we had one appearance on this before, we had over 150 people there, and the court, I think, was clear. The judge, you could hear in her voice, she was visibly shaken by the number of people. They probably Amen. never had more than they probably never had more than three or four uh, court observers there online to uh, to witness the appearance. And it, it was she, the judge basically c- couldn't figure out what to do, so she canceled the hearing, <clears throat> which is a clear violation of the open meetings law. And so we have another hearing today. The judge has acknowledged and conceded that the public is allowed to ver the meeting. She demanded that everybody hang up last time. Some did, some didn't. And uh, now their court is conceding that, yes, the public is allowed, of course, to be on the line and witness these proceedings. If you appear by phone or by the computer link that we're going to have posted, you do not have to be you do not have to say anything. You don't have to, you know, you can put yourself on mute and go about your chores. We just want to make sure the court sees that there's lots of people watching this case. What is the case? A woman named Felicia Mullane is, is a very wonderful, God-loving Christian woman who's running a facility that's overtly Christian. She has a cross and the Psalms and biblical scripture in her uh, brochure for her, what she calls agape manner. And by the way, this can be found on Facebook if you'd like to see pictures of her establishment and see for yourself that it's a beautiful Victorian house on the corner of a a small country town in upstate New York. The place is immaculate. It's mint. It's 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 people from the state have actually said, wow, Felicia, this is the gold standard for nursing care for elderly senior citizens who do not need to go into hospice or a nursing home. They just need a place that's like a home, truly like a home, you know, where the windows open and they can get fresh air and there's a backyard and there's Christian people are all around them who are loving and caring. And the place is awesome. There's been no complaints from any of the people who live there. 
no complaints from uh, their families. They all love it. It's only the state of New York that has a complaint because they want her to uh, renew a license and she's transitioning into a private association. So she's attempting to wrench herself out of the state's jurisdiction, which is the toughest way to go. It's easier to refuse jurisdiction right from the get-go, but she's, you know, she's attempting to do this because the state is intrusive and they committed atrocities against the elderly people of New York when Governor Cuomo demanded, required, forced nursing homes like hers to take sick COVID patients back into their facility, which is insane. It's just a way to a vector for spreading the disease, whatever it was. Uh, and so she declined to deal with the state anymore, and rightfully so. So, and, and plus, I can guarantee that the communist, atheist, nihilistic, Luciferian state of New York does not like a Christian nursing home having all these accolades and being the gold standard and showing the state that, hey, we don't need the state, we don't need the license, we don't need the regulators, we just need loving people who believe in the Lord Amen. and want to care for and want to care for other people. Yep. So, so what can people do? Okay. So what we can do is be there for, uh, she's got a preliminary hearing today. And I have found that if we catch these situations early in the preliminary hearing stages with a lot of observers and witnesses there online to show the court that this has got public attention, that it, it, it the beast will twitch and the, the system may do the right thing. So, what they can do is they can go to the link that you're going to have posted, uh, Tim, on your site, or they can call. I know a lot of people don't do computers. So if you're listening by radio or telephone and you just want to use your phone, real simple, call the following number. So break out your pencils, people. I'll give you a second here to get your pencil and paper together. Uh, once again, you don't have to know Felicia Mullane. You don't have to live in New York. You don't have to be in any way related to this case other than you're a caring person who's seasoned in justice and you'd like the situation remedied for the, for the better. So the number to call is 518-549-0500. Once again, that number is area code 518 zero five zero zero and there's an access code that you're going to need to enter <clears throat> that number is one six one seven one six two three two three once again the access code after you call the number is one six one seven one six two three Two three. So real quick, five one eight five four nine zero five zero zero is the call in number. Access code one six one seven one six two three two three. Now, if they also ask you to enter a password, just re-enter the access code that number that I just gave you, or hit pound. That'll get you in. Uh, so that or the, click on the link if you're going to do it by computer. Please just be there. The last time she had her appearance. It showed over 170 people were there, and the judge basically had a meltdown and said, I can't do this with all these people here. And, you know, she got flustered and said, if everybody's not, doesn't hang up in five minutes, the meeting is canceled. So a lot of people hung up thinking they were going to ruin the meeting and didn't want to get in the way. And I understand why about 30 or 40 of us said, uh-uh, we're not going anywhere. And rightfully so, because the meeting was supposed to be open. So it, it really it really shook the court. The prosecutor was very apologetic in his, his follow-up email to Felicia 
because he knew that it's it's a sanctionable and it's it's unlawful to participate in restricting that hearing. And he wasn't objecting at all to the restriction that the judge was placing. So we could have complaints both against the judge and the prosecuting attorney, John Stoner, who's the gentleman that's, uh, I should use that word sarcastically, is representing <laughs> the state. So, now we have the Dun & Bradstreet Incorporation number for New York State proving that the state of New York, not New York State, but the state of New York, is a, a corporation, it's a fictitious entity, it's operating as a business under UCC law, and it is, has use, is no longer uh, operating under the Constitution and common law with the parameters set forth therein. So, And this is in every state. Missouri, same yep. thing. Yep. We found the Dun & Bradstreet number online, and the governor is listed as a corporation other than manufacturing, the state of Missouri, with the governor as the key principle. And there's people in our movement who still want to resist the idea that the government's a corporation. The government is a corporation, both at the local, the state, and the federal level. Look it up, folks. Your town is most likely incorporated. The counties almost always are. All the states are. And the federal government, of course, is also incorporated. So Mm. uh, a corporation is a fictitious entity, is what they call it, a dead entity, an entity that is not a living man or woman, cannot act against a living man or woman, only uh, another corporation. So we're challenging the status of the state as a corporation. We're challenging uh, asserting Felicia's right to associate freely with members. Uh, So her, you know, she's not open to the public. She has private members like the Bar Association. She's a private association. It's called a PMA, a private membership association. We can do a show on that some other time. But right now, I just want to get people on the phone, you can call in the number, enter the access code, put yourself on mute, and just go about doing your chores. Just let the court see that the calls are stacking up and the people are watching this case. And Felicia's a beautiful, God-loving woman, uh, has had accolades uh, all across the board. And the place is just, if you go on Facebook and look at pictures of her, her establishment, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. I mean, it's really well done. So <clears throat> I appreciate the people being there. And I think I do believe that, Tim, your listeners had a lot to do with the amount, the raw number, volume of callers that were there last time, Amen. totally freaking out, totally freaking out the court and showing them that the people still care, the that's people right. have power, and they have to acknowledge that. Well, and that's the thing, so Eric. <clears throat> that's the, yeah, that's the thing. The people are the solution to all of this, and we can we can be the solution by being united together against injustice and bringing about a resolve for justice. So I appreciate you bringing that to my attention and bringing it to the listeners' attention. And I hope people will pit that up. I have, for those of you in on Rumble and things, I have put all of that information. It's a comment in the video. So if you refresh, you'll see it down at the bottom, all that link, the numbers, all that. And if you guys are listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you've missed it because sometimes I get the show up late, then uh, you guys go to Sons of Liberty Radio Live that's on Rumble. That's the channel. Go to the Kingdom of Heaven is like, and you'll see the comment there. That'll have the number. That'll have the computer link. If you want to hook up on your computer, you can do that. All of that will be in the comment section, not the live chat, but in the comment section just under the video. Eric, thank you for joining us and give us that information, man. Hey, Tim, allow me to give my email out. So if sure. people want to participate a little more closely uh, and they, if people want to send me an email, and then you will be added to the list when we send out an alert or a, a request for observers or witnesses or some kind of activism that people will receive our, our alert. So my email, Please. if you'd like to reach out to me, 
uh, is Eric New York, spelled right out, lowercase, all together, E-R-I-C-N-E-W-Y-O-R-K at ProtonMail.com. Eric New York at ProtonMail.com. Reach out, and then I'll send you alerts whenever we have them. Tim, thank you. God bless you. You always squeeze me in at the last minute. And you're an angel. And I I'm happy to look, I'm happy to do it. Cause yeah. if I'm in one of those situations, boy, I, what I like yeah. is somebody like you on my side, as well as the people to come in and, and back and me up. And we want to do that now. We want, especially, and you know, we we're, will, to, we're to do good to, to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. So that this is doing good to them. Well, right. And I think the enemy, meaning agents of the state and the state corporation, even though they're doing the wrong thing, there's a chance that they may come around to seeing the light. They may repent. And there's a chance if we plant the seed that God will give the increase. Amen. And maybe just maybe the people who are doing wrong right now will come around and end up start doing the right thing. And uh, God we bless can you hope. once again. And thank you so much for this time. Yeah, you're welcome, Eric. All right. Take care, brother. Take care, bro. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, there goes Eric. And uh, guys, again, you heard it straight from him. I mean, he he works with these people. He is one who uh, is is out there, and he he gives himself to a lot of people. I could tell you stories, and I wouldn't want to embarrass him or something, but stories that I've heard from those who've worked around him, things that Eric has physically endured in order to help other people. It's just... Boy, I, it's you want to talk about an, an acts of love that this guy does it. Okay, so with that said, I'm going to leave the phone line open. You want if you want to call in, if you have a question, I'll leave it open again today. Okay, eight zero three six one nine nine eight five five eight zero three six one nine nine eight five five. I'm going to kind of continue in the vein of some of the things that we've talked about. Uh, I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm in a real groove with what's going on here. And I don't want to miss that as far as what we're talking about. But we've been talking about Matthew 24 for, except for the Kate show with Kate on Saturday, the last four shows have been on Matthew 24 and just looking at what Jesus said. And I know for some of you, it really rocked your boat, so to speak, because it's not what you hear being preached. You hear something else being preached. And all we did was just let Jesus say what he said in context. For that, I've been referred to as a wolf. That's <laughs> just crazy. It's crazy. You, you read the text, oh, you're a wolf. You're deceiving people. You're leading them to hell. How do you lead people to hell by simply reading the scriptures, the words of the Lord Jesus? You don't. This is just a person who's in error, and nobody wants to be in error. Everybody thinks they're right. Nobody wants to be wrong, right? I mean, that's that's how it plays out. So <clears throat> I want to kind of continue on because, and I, I, I you know, we're, we're pulling Eric in, so we may still go like we've been doing an hour and a half or so, but the fact of the matter is, is I want to go to the scriptures, and there's this stuff that just keeps standing out to me. And I want to start back where we did with the text of Matthew 24. And that is this. This comes from Matthew 16. And I, I just, again, there are many people that would agree with me that were in the kingdom. 
Paul agrees. Paul says we've been translated out of the darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, we are either in that kingdom or we are not in that kingdom. Okay? And by the way, for those of you who are looking for last days, end time, stuff like that, we're going to talk about some of those, those phrases, and we're going to take a look at Scripture and see what it says. That's coming in the coming days, Lord willing. Okay? But I want you to notice what Jesus says, and I made mention of this before. Verse 27 of Matthew 16, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, remember he's talking to his disciples, the you is them, there be some standing here, you could understand that, there be some of you standing here, which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And I ask, because oftentimes people read right over things and they don't, they don't, they don't stop and ponder what's going on there, who's being spoken to, what's being said. And so you hear this thing that, well, the kingdom is way off. It's not close at hand. But that's not the message that either John the Baptist, Jesus, or the apostles had. That they didn't have that kind of message. In fact, I've got scriptures everywhere here uh, open this morning because there's so much of how Jesus explains the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> but notice his message right out of the gate. He's baptized by John, right? And what's, what's, his, what's his message? Matthew 3, verse 2. This, or this is John. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I had several up. In those days came John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist's message, sorry. I'm gonna, we're going to get to Jesus next. Preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not off in the future. It's close by. It's at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. By the way, if you've got Jehovah's Witness friends, go back there and look at that word Lord there. Hmm. Jehovah. Who's the one that, he's, that, that Isaiah is talking about? Jesus. Who's preparing the way? John. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leather girdle and his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey, that wonderful diet that he had there. <laughs> Excuse me. Then went out, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around Jordan. So John the Baptist's message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now Jesus' message was likened to it. He gets baptized by John, and what does he say? Well, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, both John the Baptist the Lord Jesus agree. If you go into Acts 2, which I didn't pull up, but if you go there and you open that up and you see Peter, what is his message? Repent. 
be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, right? And he's recounting all of Israel's history. He tells them that what they're seeing is what was prophesied by Joel for the last days. The last days of what? The end of the world of what? The end of the age of what? We went through this with Matthew 24. What are they? They are the last days of the old covenant. It's being closed out that the new, as the writer of Hebrews says, might be established. There is a new covenant coming that they're preaching about. It is the kingdom of God. And so Jesus had told people, his disciples in Matthew 16, some of you aren't going to die till you see me coming in the kingdom. Now, just stop and wrap your head around that if you've been taught anything other than what he said. And then I want you to see how he explains what that kingdom is. And then I, I want to go through several passages. I don't even know if we'll get through them today. We may have to make this a second show tomorrow, which that's fine too. It, the second allows us to build upon the other, and it re-solidifies the things that we're looking at. Okay, So this is from Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 20. Here's what it says. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, much like his disciples, well, when are you going to establish the kingdom? It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Okay? Times are season which the Father has set, right? But he says this. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God. Now, understand, there's no difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. They're the same thing. Understand what's going on here. Matthew is writing to a largely Jewish audience, okay? And the Jews have this little thing, you've probably seen them, where they, even when they write God, they do G-D. They think they're somehow taking the Lord's name in vain by doing that. This is just, it's, it's a goofy kind of thought, um, but it, they do that. And so Matthew references it as the kingdom of heaven, whereas Luke is writing to Theophilus uh, to con, you know, strengthen him in the faith. That, and so he's, he doesn't have to worry about that. So he says kingdom of God. So there's no difference there. Some people try to make it out. It's, there's no difference. You've got two different audiences. This is how they're writing to one another. So he says the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's not what you guys think. And sadly, I think people today think like the Pharisees, that it comes with observation. I'm not saying that you don't see the evidence of it. You do. But he says, you don't see it the way you're thinking. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. It's within you. But then he goes on and he says these things. And he said unto the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. Mm. He gives practical application to what's going on. See over here, see over there. This is reminiscent of what you read in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, the Olivet Discourse. It's very reminiscent of this, okay? <clears throat> so, he goes on and he says, for as the lightning 
that lighteth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. That sounds just like what Jesus said in Matthew 24 that we read. And he said, all those things would be fulfilled in that generation. Okay? But first, before his day, he must, that's the Christ, suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. This is what's interesting to me. The You know, I had some people make comments about the word generation in Matthew 24, and they try to make it a people group or something like this, you know, that's that's extended out like an ethnicity. No, it's a generation the way we understand generation. How do I know that? Well, he's using it the same way here. Is Jesus continuing to be uh, rejected and suffering now? No, he's not. This was for a particular people who were filling up their sins and the wrath of God was going to be poured out on them without mixture. That was the people who put to death the Son of God. Okay? And Jesus said it was such that he had to endure those things. Then in verse 26, he says, And as it was in the days of Noah, or Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And he tells you again what those days are like. And they're not what people, you know, they make entire podcasts about what the days of Noah are like. Entire podcasts with things that have nothing to do with the scripture. Nothing to do with it. Jesus tells you in the context what those days are like. I can do it in under a minute. Here's what the days of Noah are like. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's what the days of Noah are like. Maybe I should put that up as a podcast and see if people listen to it. I don't know. But then some people say, well, but it's the days of Lot too. Okay, let's look and see what the days of Lot were like. Because Jesus says in verse 28, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, there's something really interesting that just hit me. Lot and his daughters and his wife were rushed out of the city by the angels. And as soon as they were at the other place where they're supposed to be, the angels, or the Lord, rained fire and brimstone from heaven. What did Jesus tell his disciples in Matthew 24 to do? In that wicked generation, in that city that was to be destroyed, he said, when you see these things happen, when you, in Luke, he says, when you see the armies surrounding the city, know its desolation is near. And in Matthew 24, he says, when you see all these things, get out of the city. Don't get your clothes. Don't, you know, don't run back up. You know, if you're on the housetop, get out and, and run out of the city. Get out of here. See these parallels? Don't hang around and fight the bad guys who are coming to bring judgment. Get out of the city. Get out of the city. And he continues. Verse 31, in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. I mean, this is just like the Olivet Discourse. Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him not likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. 
Why is he saying that? Let him likewise not return back. It's the same thing. Don't look back to what God is destroying. Don't let your affections and your sentimentality of the city and your house and everything else, that stuff's going. Just move ahead. Get away from it. And he says this, Whosoever shall see, seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there shall be two men, one, uh, two men in one bed, and that's not talking about homosexuality. In fact, the word men, when you see, for those of you who don't know, when you see these words in italics, like in the King James, it means they've been inserted there so that you can understand instead of just saying there'll be two in one bed. Okay? It's kind of throwing that in there. Or when you see two women shall be grinding together, it would say two shall be grinding together. Okay? Just so you understand. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. See, Tim, there's the rapture right there. He's talking about judgment. The ones taken are taken to judgment. The ones left are the ones who've gotten out. They've escaped. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. It's the same language, the same scenario that we've been over and over and over the last few days in Matthew 24. That's what he's laying out, okay? So, there are a bunch of passages that speak to us about this kingdom that he says is coming, okay? There are a bunch of passages. In fact, as we finished Matthew 24, as we finish Matthew 24, we see that he immediately goes in. And remember, there's no breaks in chapters, verses, and stuff like this. It's just, this is what Matthew's written. So he comes right out of Matthew 24. And let me see if I can just bring this up so we just finish Matthew 24, and then you see how it just flows right into it. Kind of like Matthew 23. It flows right into Matthew 24. So he says... Um, start here. And you see in verse 41, he's kind of doing the same thing he was doing there in the passage in Luke 17, okay? But let's start here, verse 43, and we'll read this, and you'll see how it flows right into Matthew 25. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief, had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready no, notice what he's saying, and pay attention to the words. Therefore, be ye also ready. Who's he talking to? His disciples. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, 
and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's talking about wicked servants. Okay. And he's talking about that if they lose sight of what's going on there and they start giving themselves over to the cares of the world and they start um, beating on their fellow servants, beating them up, that the Lord's going to return and he's going to cut them asunder and appoint them their portion with the hypocrites where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did he do that? Yep, he sure did. He sure did. And we've seen that in AD 70. Then it just, the next line says, then, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. So he's going to tell you why one was wise and one was foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil with them. Now stop and think about that. Why would you have why would you have a lamp and no wick or no oil? I mean, it doesn't say there's a wick, but you, you don't have any oil in them. How are you going to use them? They're just a decorative piece at that point. They're, they don't provide any light at all. By the way, oil is a uh, a metaphor for the Spirit of God. Okay? This is why they would talk about anointing and using anointing oil. So they took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Well, that just makes sense, right? If you've got a lamp, if you want, if you want it to work, you got to have some oil in it. So they're considered wise for that. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing here of Jewish weddings and stuff, okay? But needless to say, when a young man had asked, and, and listen, if you're a young man who's single right now, hear me out. The father of that girl you've got your eye on is the authority. He has the jurisdiction. You don't go and steal his daughter. Don't go do that. You don't go ask her out on your own. You don't ask her to marry you on your own. You go through the father. And you get his permission, his approval for that marriage. That is his daughter. That's what it means to give in marriage. It's his to give. It's not hers. It's his. She is under his household, his authority. Honor that authority. Go to the, go to the man's daughter, okay? Or go to him and ask if you can talk to her. Ask if you can see her. And then ask when it's time that you want to marry her, okay? This is, this is how they used to do things. And it's just a, it's a respect for the authority God has placed there in her life. And when she becomes yours, guess what? She becomes under, she comes under your jurisdiction and your authority. And you're responsible for her. But until that time, dad's responsible for her. Okay. So the, the, the young man would get betrothed, which was far greater than what we consider an engagement. You, people break off engagements all the time, but don't even think about it. 
right? But a betrothal is very serious. It's, it's, it's as though you're married already. You just haven't consummated the marriage. You've not had the honeymoon night, if you will. You've not consummated. So what would happen is this young man would get the approval. They would get betrothed. And then he would go and he would make sure that a house was built so that he could bring his new bride into it. And the father would tell him, hey, the house is done. Go get your bride. So they'd bring a wedding party. And they'd go through the streets at night with lights and all kinds of stuff and singing. And the bride and her neighbors would all hear them coming and she would get herself ready for that marriage. Okay, so that's, this is kind of the issue that, that you hear here when he says, At midnight there's a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And verse 7 says, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. I mean, you can see Simon uh, from the book of Acts going, Give us this gift that I may do the works of God too. Right? And you remember what Peter said, your money perish with you. Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. See, they were unprepared. They weren't looking. And they were ready and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Oh, isn't that rem reminiscent of Jesus' words where people say, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do wonderful works? I never knew you. You work iniquity. Same, same, it's the same thing that's going on here. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven, and he's going to do this again, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called on his servants and delivered unto them his goods. So he's going to give us another illustration of what the kingdom is like. Okay? And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money, and after a long time the Lord of those servants cometh, and reckoneth with him. And so that he received five talents came, and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. 
And you'll notice this entering into the joy of the Lord continues on. We're not going to get into that today, but it continues on in Matthew 25, and you see how that plays out there. But keep that phrase in mind as you read on, if you want to read on a little bit later today. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast cast not straw. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So, he, you know, he pulls out his one talent. He's buried in the, in the ground. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Remember, he's talking about this is what the kingdom is like. This is what the kingdom is like. Keep that in mind what he's saying the kingdom is like. It is not like the Pharisees thought the kingdom would be. It's not even like the disciples thought the kingdom would be. You wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You said it with your own mouth that you knew it, and yet how did you behave? You behaved as though I don't do that. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Now, again, I don't think Jesus has in mind promoting usury. His law forbid it except for foreigners. Okay? His law forbid that among the countrymen. Okay? But he's given an illustration of how the kingdom works. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And just so you understand... Verse 31 is where all these other things come in. Everybody says, oh, it's that. I'm not so sure about that. He says he's coming in his glory. He's coming in all these things. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Okay? So then that goes on before. But, but the point that I want you to see is he's saying, he gives two illustrations about what the kingdom is likened into. These virgins who are wise, had the oil for when the bridegroom showed up. And then it's the guys who've been given the talents by their master. And the master goes on a trip and they use those talents to double the talents for the master. And when he comes back, he rewards them according to that, or he rewards the unprofitable servant. So that's what the kingdom is like. It's those things that are going on. But this is not the only place where the kingdom is spoken about being likened unto something. In fact, when we go to, uh, and we're going to look at some of these over the next, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. So we're going to be going over a little bit. I, I guess you guys assume that anyway. We're going to be going over a little bit, but because I want, I want to read these in their context. And you tell me, 
what's he saying here? What is he saying? Jesus says this about the kingdom. And this comes from Matthew chapter 5. You guys are familiar with this, with the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? And let's begin at verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Now, I'm just going to ask you something. Has the ordinances that God gave concerning how you deal in the temple, the sacrifices, the altar, the incense, the Holy of Holies, the tabern- the tabernacle when it was there, uh, the temple and the inner and outer courts and the court of the Gentiles, the court of the women, all of this, has that been done away with? Yes, it has. Paul writes in Colossians, he nailed those ordinances to the cross, the commands of ordinances. He nailed them. So did some of those things pass? Then Christ must have fulfilled all, till all be fulfilled. That's what he says. So some things did pass. They're done away with. We're not to be engaged in animal sacrifice anymore. We're not to be engaged in temple worship. Our temple is greater than that temple. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And we are pillars in his temple. We are the stones that build up that temple. He is the chief cornerstone. And yet, some of these things have passed, haven't they? Not as moral commands. Not as law, not as moral law, but those things are done away with. Why? Because the, the essence, the substance of those images, of the pictures that God was showing the people of Israel have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. They're no longer applicable to us. And so he, he goes on from here and he says this. This is again Matthew 5, verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, see, commandments are going to be there, and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting what he says here. Now, let me give you a, a few examples. <clears throat> um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to jump over a little bit. And this is, um, is going to be from Matthew chapter 20, because he gives a lot of these in the, in the lead up to what he's going to say in Matthew 23, because he constantly is... From about 21 on, he's constantly pushing against the Pharisees. But he breaks out these, the the kingdom is like parables, okay? This is Matthew chapter 20, and let's listen to what he says. 
that the kingdom is. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Notice he's saying, he's giving you a parable, and he's talking about this is like the kingdom. I want you to keep that in mind. When we read the parables, this is what the kingdom is like. Is this how you see the kingdom? Or do you see it something else? That's what I want you to, uh, this is what I want you to get in your head. Do you have the Hollywood style kingdom going on in your head? Or do you have what Jesus said is the kingdom? And he said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, they were hired about the eleventh hour. They received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny, because that's what they agreed on, right? And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Notice what he says to them. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Yes, it is. Is thine evil or is thine eye evil because I am good? Boy, that if that doesn't describe us as sinful human beings, I don't know what does. Then he finishes, so the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. We're going to continue this on the other side. I'm going to go through these things that Jesus, as many as I can, that Jesus gives us the kingdom of heaven is light. Bradley, be with you at three. Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning at 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And so we just finished up this part here in Matthew chapter 20. And um, <clears throat> he, is, he has told them about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he has said that this kingdom of heaven is like a guy who gives and gets workers. And he, he keeps going back to the marketplace to get laborers for his vineyard. And he's paying them all the same thing, whether they worked an hour or they worked the whole day. And the men agreed to it. They were fine with it until they got a jealous eye toward the last guys. 
The last guys got paid as much as they agreed to, and they thought, well, shoot, if he's that generous to them, he's going to be more generous to us. And he gave them what he owed them. He, he cheated nobody out of anything. They were all equals in the kingdom. Okay? All right. Then he goes to Matthew. Well, I'm jumping here, and I pro I got some things out of whack as to where I wanted to go. So I'm going to save those for afterwards. <clears throat> Matthew 22. And in Matthew 22, we have the same kind of thing. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. So he's back on the marriage parable kind of thing. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. Now again, guys, I, I'm not, if, if, I were, if I were teaching in a setting, each day or each week uh, where I have uh, people that, you know, I'm an overseer for whatever, we would take a lot of time going through these things um, and, and pulling out all kinds of things. But what I just want you to keep in mind, he's telling you what the kingdom of, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's not what they thought it was. It's not what the Pharisees thought it was, and it's not what the disciples thought it was. Okay, just keep that in mind as you're hearing this. Kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. So he sends out invites by his servants, but they would not come. And again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come into the marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but when people get married around here, for the most part, I mean, you put on a spread, don't you? Right? I know in our family, um, when when Denise and I got married, you know, our families came together. Man, they had a big old spread of stuff. And they had to actually go out there and get some stuff for us and put it in a little, you know, doggy bag kind of thing because everybody's eating it all up. And it was good. It was good food. Now, if we would have catered that, We'd have borne a great burden on us, but our families came together and they did this. And every time when, when our daughters have gotten married, uh, Denise and the girls and the other families, they, they make all the stuff. They make the drinks. They make the, the food. They have all the stuff together. And they do that because they love them. And they want to celebrate their day. They're joining together. And here's this king. It's a king, for goodness sake. It's not <laughs> redneck out here in South Carolina. It's a king. He's got oxen. He's got fatlings. All the stuff. He's got all the trimmings. Everything's been set up for this celebration. And the people don't go. The, the people that he considers to be, I guess, his friends, those who are close to him, they come up with excuses. You'll see that in a second. But they could go, and they don't want to. They, they, they just don't want to, so they come up with excuses. So he says, and this begins in verse 5. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Oh, my goodness. Does that sound like 
the parable of the vineyard that Jesus talked when he talked about what was going to come on that generation because God had sent the prophets to them and they stoned them, they beat them, they treated them spitefully. And then he said, I'll send my son. Surely they'll hear my son. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Jesus came to his own. They received him not. This is what he's talking about those who've been opposed to him the whole time. And the remnant took his son, servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. You can't get any clearer than what he's talking about here. He is talking, he is laying it out. The kingdom of heaven is coming and he's taking care of those wicked men who have killed the prophets of God, including the son of God. And he burns up their city. I mean, he's given language here that, that flows right in with his message that he's given the whole time. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore. So, so <clears throat> some people say I teach replacement theology. That's bunk. I don't do that. The church in the new covenant is Israel. The Israel in the Old Covenant is the church, or the ecclesia, however you want to say it. They're one and the same thing. They're the assembly, the people of God. That's who they are. Old and New Testament. There is no replacement. There is expansion. Even though Jesus says, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you guys, and I'm going to give it to a nation whose fruits they bear of. And that means... That message of the kingdom is going out to the Gentiles, out from Israel, and they're being brought into the kingdom. Okay? So he says this. These were not worthy. Who was not worthy? The ones who took it lightly, who treated the servants spitefully and slew them. The ones he destroyed and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye find, bid to the marriage. Call them to come in. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. See, they were supposed to dress for the occasion. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. I mean, the guy came to the wedding feast, right? He was invited to come. But he didn't wear his wedding garment. And said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We just read that a minute ago, didn't we? For many are called, but few are chosen. Isn't that interesting? A lot of people called, few are chosen. And I got to tell you, I see in this, I see people trying to come on their own without the wedding garment. Without the wedding garment, which is the righteousness of Christ. 
They try to come in their own righteousness. Yes, I want all the king's goodies. Yes, I want to attend his wedding. Yes, I want heaven. Yes, I want God's blessings. Yes, I want all these things. But they don't have the righteousness of Christ. Many are called, few are chosen. I'm not going to get into it, but that's election. That is what God has done. He has elected his people. He has chosen them from the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, read it. We've been through it on the show here. And so let's go to another one. Let's talk about some aspects of this, this kingdom. <clears throat> well, when Jesus um, sends the disciples out, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. When Jesus sends the disciples out, listen to what happens here. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Why? Because the gospel comes to the Jew first. That's what Paul says. Then to the Greek. Okay? Jesus said he'd been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Don't go outside of Israel. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same message that he had, same message that John the Baptist had. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. In other words, whatever needs you see, I'm empowering you to do those deeds which are good for the people. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. You remember that from the night of his betrayal. He said, when I sent you out, you didn't have a purse. You didn't carry an extra tunic. See, no script, verse 10, nor script for your journey, nor two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatever, whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. There, and then the judgment part comes, just like it always does. See, this is, this is how the kingdom works. In all of these, the kingdom is like, you see, here's, here's the wise people, here's the fruitful people, here's the profitable servants, and then here's the unprofitable ones, the wicked ones, the foolish ones. And then there's judgment. There's blessing for those who are wise and who are profitable and such, and there's judgment for the others. 
And then he says this, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, will scourge you in their synagogues, and you should be brought before governors and kings. From my Again, language just like the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. See, all this language points us to this is happening there in that first century. Why? Because, look, <clears throat> and, and this, is, this is me. I told, I told you I'm not really going to be teaching on Revelation for a while. But this is something that stands out to me. Because he's talking about going to the Israelites of the day and not going to the Gentiles. And when you go to the letters that are written at the church, at the churches, there in the first uh, the chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation, what you see is they're still dealing with Judaizers. Apparently quite a bit. They're mentioned two or three times in those letters. How they're causing the church problems. How do you have that when all of them have been utterly destroyed in the destruction of Jerusalem if that book is written after that? I'm, I'm just asking the question. That's, that's, one, that's one of many reasons why I think that. But I think this stands out. He's saying, you go to Jerusalem. So, he says this, verse 19, he picks up here. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. It's the same stuff. And then he goes down. When you read this, it's like, it's like reading a short version of Matthew 24 again. This is what he gives them. Now, with that said, look at some examples of what he talks about the, king, the king, kingdom is like as well, as well as how it's practiced, all right? So this comes from Matthew 14, or excuse me, Matthew 14, Matthew 19, excuse me. All right, uh, Matthew 19. Verse 13, listen to what he says. Then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. So, what's he saying? He's saying the kingdom of heaven is likened to a little child. And how should we understand that? The way I see it is the child, little children don't have a care in the world. They really don't. They could work outside in a garden. They could be in the house playing with a yo-yo. They can be running around the yard. They, they don't have a care in the world. They don't know what the world really is. And so that's why they have parents to protect them and to provide for them. And what does our Father do for us? He protects us and he provides for us. This is why Jesus said, Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. 
And all these things will be at what things? Well, he's just got through talking about how God closed the flowers of the field, right? He takes care of the birds of the air. He knows when a sparrow is going to fall. It doesn't happen apart from his will. What are children to do? They're to trust their father, right? And you or I, and you and I are called to do the same thing. We're to be as little children, not in simple mindedness, but in our trust of the Father and of what He has said. So, what are some of those things that He has entrusted to us? Well, we went through, and I've got all my passages out of order, so I do apologize for that. That's my fault, but and I don't know how I got them out because I thought I was putting them all in order. <clears throat> But I want you to listen. We were in. We started off in Matthew 16. Some of you aren't going to taste death till you see me coming in my kingdom. Did that happen or did it not happen? Yes, it happened. Jesus said it happened. Okay? It did happen. We read this the other day, though. This is before that. This is Matthew chapter 16. Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This... This affirmation, what he is saying who Jesus is, this, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living, that is what Jesus is comparing Peter, the, the, the Petros, the little, the little rock, to the Petra, okay? The foundation, the cornerstone, who is Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You got that right, Peter. But it wasn't any man who revealed this. It was the Father who revealed this to you. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Again, Rome is out to lunch on this. Jesus did not build the church on Peter. He built it upon himself. He is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. His word is the foundation. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here's the question. If you say, if you believe the gates of hell are prevailing against the church, if that's what you think, how does that square with what Jesus says? I say it's because the church has been neutered because she doesn't realize that she are the king's kids. And she has not been pressing the crown rights of King Jesus against all the imposters that are in our midst who want to be gods themselves. They want to be just like their daddy. <clears throat> they want to be the lawgivers. They want to be the one who sits in pomp and splendor. They want the approbations of men. And Christians have been lulled to sleep because they do not advance the kingdom of God under King Jesus. And how do they do that? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They don't push those crown rights of King Jesus. No, nope. when, when, when push comes to shove and they get into political debate, well, I, I, I shouldn't bring up a Bible verse here. I shouldn't say anything about Jesus because, well, you know, we're in politics and Jesus isn't about politics. That's, that's how a lot of them think. When that is exactly what they need to be speaking. 
Oh, for representatives who would just get up and read the word of God that condemns the sins of America and call her to repentance. Our king is not a president. He's not a representative. He's not a, a, a governor, a state governor. He's not a, a county council. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, and all men who have any authority have that authority to do what the king said, not whatever they want to do, whatever's right in their own eyes, to do what the king said. And how many of them do it? Not very many. Not very many. Jesus goes on and he says, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, he goes on to explain some of this in Matthew 18, specifically about dealing with a sinning brother. Okay? So, uh, and I didn't pull up Matthew 18. I apologize for that. But Matthew 18 goes through that as well. Now, this one is one I meant to bring up, and I jumped. Actually, I did bring up Matthew 18. Let me do this one, and then we'll close out with this other parable that Jesus gives, which you're familiar with, okay? So this is Matthew 18, and again, he starts off something similar to what we just read. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted... And become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. We, we just talked about this. And then he says, what do you mean about that? Well, whosoever there shall fall, shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you trust what I said? Do you believe it? And you seek to obey it? Well, then that's what a little child does. You teach them the way they should go when they're old, they're not, they won't depart from it. But in the midst, you're training them, right? And you're teaching them to carry out the commands, if you will. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, and this is which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, I don't think that's just about little kids. He's talking about us becoming like that. And this is why I say for those guys over there at the World Economic Forum, uh, those, those reprobates that are over there, Klaus Schwab and Noah Harari and Joe Biden over here and his renegade bunch and all of the wicked men seeking to destroy men, control them, lord it over them instead of obeying the commands of God. You're messing with the king's kids. And lest you repent, he's got a millstone ready for you. You would be wise to take heed to that. Because the Lord does not take kindly to those who go after his servants. We just read it. We just read what he did to those who went after his people, who slew them. He destroyed them. He burned their city. You're playing with the wrong people. You're playing with the wrong people. 
That's just the warning for the bad guys, okay? Back to Matthew 18. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Now, I don't think Jesus is talking about mutilation. I don't think I, He's just saying if there's something that's hindering you from entering in to the kingdom here, if there's something that does that, get rid of it. Okay? And if an eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed ye, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Okay. He then tells the story, uh, which was one of my favorite stories when I was a kid. Uh, it was an arch book called John the Little Lost Lamb, but it's, it's an expansion of these three verses. And he says, How you think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth unto the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if, and if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine that went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And then he gets into the part about these keys of the kingdom, what he told Peter just two chapters before in Matthew 16. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, see, he's giving you a court system here. It's the ecclesia. But the first thing that Christians often think is, is if they're going to enforce the law, they go to the court system of the world. And Paul says, why are you doing that? Don't do that. Handle it in the family. That's, my, that's the vernacular, okay? Handle it with inside the ecclesia, among brothers. Quit taking it out to the world's courts and embarrassing the church because you don't know how to settle matters in the family. Okay. If a brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. How many of people do that? Not many people. They get mad. They get bitter. Then they won't talk to the person. They don't even want to look at them. They don't want to be in the same room with them. You ever been around those people before? They don't know how to settle things. They don't know how to humble themselves and come up and say, you know what? You, you did this to me and I'm not here to embarrass you, but you wronged me here. And the other person be humble and said, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. You get a hug or whatever, handshake, and you, you're reconciled to one another. But people today, it's they want to cut your head off for the least little thing. Okay? You go and tell him his fault. Or excuse me, if you have a if you have a trespass against thee, you go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Oh, this is kingdom, folks. This is the kingdom. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, 
If he doesn't hear the two or three witnesses, which the, both the Old and the New Testament reference as confirming a matter, then you tell it unto the church, the ecclesia, the assembly. And if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Or you church him, or you excommunicate him. He's got to go. Okay? He's not considered to be a believer, because he won't repent. Well, that's pretty harsh, Tim. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Okay? Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Is this not what Jesus said to Peter? I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Getting this sense here? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth, or thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's meeting that out? King Jesus is through his people. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And obviously it's not just any old thing they're asking. They're asking according to the will of God. That's what John tells us. That's the clarification he gives us in his first epistle. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There am I in the midst of them. That does not mean just because you get together to sing praise songs that Jesus shows up at first two or three. He's talking about how you deal with a sinning brother in the kingdom. That's what that's about. Think of it this way. For where two or three witnesses are gathered together in my name, there I'm in the midst. In other words, when these two or three witnesses pop up to confirm the matter that is before the assembly, the ecclesia, the church, when they pop up to do it, guess who's standing in the midst? Guess who's affirming what the witnesses are saying? Jesus Christ himself. That's what he's saying. That's what the context is. Okay, And then he goes on and he says this. Then came Peter. Again, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of comical. If you've heard debates of, um, if you've heard debates of Roman Catholics, and they go to Matthew chapter 16, Peter is the first pope. See, Jesus has given him the keys of the kingdom. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he's given the keys of the kingdom here, too, to anybody who has a problem with a brother, and the church has got those keys, and that's, that's what's going on. It has nothing to do with Peter. But you remember in Matthew 16, this newly elected pope, according to Rome, flies in the face of the gospel. You're not going to do this, Lord. You're not going to go to Jerusalem and die. You're not going to go and be buried and have to raise it. Far be it from you, Lord. And he goes, get behind me, Satan. Which is what the papacy is, by the way. It is, it's, they're, they're following after their, their father. They're following just after him. The lust of their flesh are stirred up, and they don't want to give it up, okay? But here's Peter doing it again. He's trying to sneak something in. Well, maybe I don't have to forgive so much because, you know, Peter's a heart kind of a rough, rugged fisherman, right? If you met some of those guys, that's kind of how they are, most of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? 
Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seventy. Or excuse me, seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Now, this was a great story. If you if I'm telling you, if you get some of these little arch books, they're those stories stuck in my head. This one especially, uh, because the king was he, he sat on a throne of monkey pod wood. That's, that's the way the story went, uh, that they made him out that way. So I always, always remember that. But I remember the stories that my mom and dad would read me before bed out of these little arch books, and I'd gotten them to read them to my kids too. Anyway, that's just a little side note. He says, therefore, is the kingdom likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. So this is a massive amount of money. It's a massive debt. Um, <clears throat> they would, uh, this 10,000 is just an overwhelming amount for this servant to pay back. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Well, if this isn't a picture of men on the earth, I don't know what is. We have accumulated a debt towards our Creator, okay, that we can never pay. Even with one violation of His law, we can never repay it. We cannot make it right. We don't have the ability to make it right. This is why we need a Savior from sin, the Lord Jesus. Why? Because he made it right. He was perfect. And it had nothing to do with his genes. It had to do with he was sinless. He was without violating God's law at any level, in his mind, in his heart, in his will, in his emotions, in his actions, in his speech. He never, ever, never, ever violated the law of God. And therefore, he could take the sinner's place. Okay, He could substitute himself for sinners. So this guy, the, 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 the king here, is going to sell him and his family to make payment. He's going to break up the family. He's going to put them to work until their work produces whatever the, whatever the debt is. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay, pay thee all. I mean, he's, he seems genuine, right? He knows he can't pay it all, but he's pleading for mercy. This, this is his way of pleading for mercy from the Lord. Now, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, was the servant thankful for that in the moment? Yes. He was relieved. Oh, I don't have this 10,000 talent debt now. But you'll see where his heart was. His heart was not on honoring the king that just forgave his debt. His heart was on riches. It was on the money. Verse 28. But the same servant went out found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence. A hundred pence, it's like pocket change. 
and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And notice what his fellow servant did. Same thing he did. His fellow servant fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Remember what I've told you? If you desire mercy, you can have it, but you will only get it by coming to the king under the king's edicts or his commands of repentance. That's what he commands. Not what I command. It's what he commands. Repent. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Okay? So check, I mean, check that out. What is he saying here? He's saying, that's what the kingdom of heaven's like. That's, all of these is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Is this what you're doing in the kingdom? Because see, if you get out into, after you die, if that part's going, you don't do this right here. This is what's going on in the kingdom. When we see the Lord, we'll be like him, right? Isn't that what John says? I'll wake up, the, the psalmist writes, I'll wake up, I can't wait till I wake up in the likeness of you. When does that happen? When we see him. Perfecto, we'll be perfected in every way there'll be. But now we're in the kingdom, and this is how we're to conduct ourselves. All of these things show us what the kingdom is like. I think there's one more I could get to, but I want to close out the show saying, look, the king is here. He's been sitting on the throne subduing his enemies. He's been ruling with a rod of iron from the throne of David. There, which is what is spoken of when he goes to heaven. 1 Corinthians 15 is very clear that's what he's doing. And we're his people if we have the faith of Abraham, which is in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? Are we obeying him in the kingdom? Are we being like those wicked servants that say, no, I, I don't want any part of that. I want Jesus for my fire insurance. I don't want to, you know, go to hell or whatever the case is, whatever your thing is. You want something besides Jesus. You want something besides submission to his lordship. You want something else. You want the goodies he gives you, but you don't want him. Is that where you are? Then the message for you is repent. The message for you is to repent. The king has given you a command. And those who preach the message of the gospel, they're just the ambassadors. They don't get to change the message. They give the message of the king, and that is 
to repent, to turn from your lawlessness and bow your knee to the King, the lawgiver, Jesus the Christ. I hope that's what God will bring about. I know his word goes out and it doesn't return void. It goes out and accomplishes the purpose he does. So in this time, that word goes out, and for some it hardens them, and for others it softens them. And praise God for both of those, because God is glorified in both. Bradley, be with you at 3 uh, will, three p.m. Eastern, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and then Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See ya.